Welcome to the Migraine Miracle Moment. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Turknett. I'm a neurologist, migraine specialist, migraine sufferer, and author of the book, The Migraine Miracle. In this podcast, you'll learn all about how to find your path to migraine freedom without pills. Let's get started. All right, howdy folks. In this episode, I'm going to um, share with you the timeline of migraine freedom, including the four phases of recovery along that timeline. Um, But first things first, we're going to start by celebrating uh, this week's Beast Slayer of the Week. So uh, in each uh, episode of The Miracle Moment, we highlight somebody in our Migraine Miracle community who's recently dealt a mighty blow to the beast. And this week, it is Emily J. So I'll read what Emily uh, posted in our Facebook group recently. The first two weeks, I cut back to almost no carbs. This wasn't easy, but I was desperate. I noticed an immediate improvement to my chronic migraines, only two small migraines during the first two weeks requiring no meds. By the end of the second week, my rebound headaches were gone. Hooray! But I also felt horribly fatigued. So I began to very gradually add a few more carbs from veggies and fruits, and now eat a small amount of fruit at every meal, but but always with a protein or fat. It's been seven weeks, and I've had no migraines at all. Twice, I've developed a visual aura, but amazingly, it disappeared without even a slight headache. It really is miraculous after dealing with this beast for 18 years. Of course, everyone responds to carbs a bit differently, so you'll just have to experiment to see what your limit is. So I chose uh, Emily's post here because it touches on several of the points that I'll be uh, addressing in today's episode. So first of all, she's doing fantastic, uh, going from chronic migraines and what sounds like full-blown rebound to, at the time of this post, seven weeks without a single migraine. And that's after dealing with the beast for 18 years, as she said. So obviously, that's a life-changing experience. And again, I've talked about it before, but the reason I wrote the book and the reason everything in the Migraine Miracle Universe exists is because it achieves results that you just don't see with the conventional treatment of migraine, which, as most of you know, revolves almost entirely around drugs or medications as the solution. And it achieves results that most people with chronic migraine uh, no longer believe are even possible, which again just highlights just how much more powerful a holistic systems-based approach that addresses root causes is to our health uh, than the drugs that we have available. And secondly, uh, Emily also points out the fact that there was definitely an adjustment period after she significantly reduced her carbohydrate intake. So there were some bumps in the road that she had to navigate early on before she was able to reap the full benefits. So kudos to her for doing the hard work that it takes to get to where she is. Again, there's no doubt that it takes effort to go down this path. But I think that every single person who's done so uh, will tell you that it's more than worth it in the end. Um, And there are really few things that are truly worth doing that don't require some effort. And so uh, before I go uh, any further with today's topic, if you haven't done so already, be sure you have the uh, Guide to the Migraine Miracle Eating Plan. Um, it's It's one of the chapters in the book, The Migraine Miracle, but you can also download it by going to beastslayers.com which is also linked in the show notes. 
and I think you'll definitely get a lot more out of the uh, ensuing discussion if you already know that basic framework. So the book, The um, Migraine Miracle, was published in 2013, and as I said in a prior episode, one of the great things about getting the information out there to a wider audience is that it's been able to really accelerate and amplify the feedback loop. So being able to collect information from so many people who are putting the plan into action has been a great way to continue to modify and refine the plan. As I've said before, I now fully believe that there's a path to migraine freedom out there for everyone, and that the plan provides the optimal template for finding that path. And I hate the idea of someone not finding it, so it's especially important for me to identify situations and circumstances where folks might stumble and ultimately make it so that nobody who wants to find that path ends up falling through the cracks. And one of the clearest things to emerge over the past few years as thousands of people have put this plan into action is that there's a very clear progression when it comes to the recovery process particularly in uh, those who've been suffering with migraines for several years. So the journey along the timeline of migraine freedom is a predictable sequence of events, and the pace at which different people move through that sequence or that progression may vary, but the general order of it is the same. And ultimately, I created this timeline to migraine freedom to reflect that process and divided the migraine, the road to migraine freedom into four different phases. And this wasn't just an academic exercise. The purpose, of created, the purpose of creating those phases was, number one, to help people understand that recovery was a process and a progression and something that unfolds over time. And number two, to reinforce the idea that the areas that we focus most of our efforts on at any given time will depend on where we are on the timeline. So in other words, the things that we'd focus on to get from phase three to phase four, for example, are going to be different than the things we'd focus on to get from phase one to phase two. And so the timeline and the phases of recovery are a way of further customizing the plan to the needs of a particular person at a particular moment in time. And it's a way of helping to ensure that we're doing the right things at the right time rather than the right things at the wrong time. And in fact, one of the key characteristics of people who've been most successful with the plan is that they did focus on the right things at the right times. And so the biggest thing here with the timeline is to, one, understand where we are at any given point on that timeline and then what the most important actions are to progress forward along it. So we want to make sure that if we're making changes and taking bold action, that we get the most bang for the buck uh, for those efforts. And what I also want to make sure of, as I've said, is that we're not making the right kind of changes at the wrong time, because making the right changes at the wrong time can lead people to falsely conclude that those changes don't help or won't help, when the real reason is that uh, they weren't yet on the appropriate place on the timeline for those changes to be most helpful. So to make an analogy here, imagine that you've uh, just taken up golf and you're trying to decide where to spend your money and energy. So one option would be to go take some lessons from a teaching professional and learn the basic mechanics of the golf swing. 
Another option would be to buy the newest and greatest golf ball on the market, one that goes 100 yards further than any other ball. Now, if you're just getting started, chances are you don't even know how to hit the ball straight and are probably more, far more likely to hit the ball into the woods. So a ball that goes 100 yards further will just make it go 100 yards deeper into the woods. So clearly, the best use of your time and resources at that stage is to invest in lessons. But for an experienced player who already has proper swing mechanics and can hit the ball straight, buying a ball that can go 100 yards further would offer a huge advantage, and lessons on the basics of the golf swing wouldn't be particularly useful. So anytime there's an order of progression, be it learning how to play golf or taking actions to move ourselves along the timeline of migraine freedom, there are certain actions that are most impactful and appropriate at certain times. So in these instances, not only by choosing the right things at the wrong time would you be wasting energy and resources, you may also, also falsely conclude that something that's helpful is ineffective when the reality is it's helpful when done at the right time. So that being said, there are also certain elements that will always be high priority so that you remain areas of focus regardless of what phase we're in. So back to our golf analogy, it's important for any golfer at any stage of their journey to have good fitting shoes that can grip the ground well so that they don't fall over when they swing. And then there are other elements that are more appropriate for specific phases because they're most effective when implemented at a particular time in their learning journey. So now, with that in mind, I'm going to start reviewing the phases uh, of, of uh, migraine recovery along with the key areas of focus for moving to the next phase in the timeline. So the first phase on the timeline uh, we refer to as phase one, which is also known as the detox phase. And the names we give to each of these phases, uh, in this case detox for phase one, are chosen to reflect what the primary area of focus is in that phase. So someone in phase one tends to have one or more of the following characteristics. So having at least 10 days of headache per month, Oftentimes, they can't really tell when one headache ends and, one, and another one begins. And many of the headaches seem to occur without any clear trigger. Also, the medications that may be taken for migraine relief either only work for a short while or they don't work at all. So if you caught the prior episode on rebound, you know that one of the tragic ironies of migraine care in the past several decades is that the well-intentioned efforts of those of us in the healthcare community have created a massive and growing epidemic of chronic migraine. And that's because the medicines we use for migraine relief have, for many, turned what should be a temporary and episodic condition to one that's chronic and lifelong. While the medications may provide short-term relief, the trade-off is that they render us uh, much more vulnerable to future migraines and that vulnerability increases with each dose, commonly leading to this never-ending cycle of medication and migraine, a cycle that's being fueled by the very medication that we're turning to for relief. And this cycle is what's known as rebound, or uh, more uh, recently, medication overuse headache. Uh, you won't hear me uh, use that term very much uh, because uh, the word overuse to me seems to imply that the, the fault is on the part of the user uh, when all they were trying to do was take something to relieve horrible pain and oftentimes doing so under the direction of an expert. So 
Uh, you won't hear me uh, use medication overuse headache uh, to refer to this, uh, but you'll, uh, I'll use the term rebound instead. So for the overwhelming majority of people who are in phase one, rebound headaches or just migraine vulnerability caused by the medications is far and away going to be the biggest issue to address which is why we refer to phase one as the detox phase, because getting out of it requires undoing the damaging effects of the medications and allowing the brain to heal from them. So the downside here is that undoing that damage isn't easy. There's no magic fix and no other real way to undo it than by stopping the very thing that caused it. But the upside, and it's a big upside, is that the rewards of doing so are enormous. So I've seen many people now who'd been in rebound literally for decades and who'd assume that chronic migraines were as much a part of them as the color of their eyes. And I've seen those same people in tears after their headaches have vanished. So when you allow the brain to heal from the damage from the medications and combine that with the migraine miracle plan, the result is oftentimes an experience that most people didn't even think was still possible. So what are the top priorities for people who are trying to move out of phase one and into phase two? So number one is, of course, uh, reducing the consumption of the migraine abortive medications. And there are a couple of articles I've written that you might find helpful in this process, uh, both of which are linked in the show notes. The first of those is titled How to End a Rebound Headache. And the second is the 11 Drug-Free Ways to End a Migraine article. Because having strategies that help relieve a migraine that don't involve drugs can be a huge help in this situation. Now, <clears throat> there are all sorts of strategies for helping a migraine out there, especially if you consult your friend Google. So it's easy to be led astray in that area. And so the article focuses on the best of the best in that category to help prevent people from either going down blind alleys or being taken advantage of. Second priority is to eliminate mismatched foods and behaviors. So we've talked before about the cornerstone of the Migraine Miracle Plan being to realign our diet and lifestyle so that it's closer to the natural habitat of a human being. As migraine genes are expressed when we eat foods and engage in behaviors that are out of sync with our biology. And from the standpoint of diet, they occur when there is a mismatch between the foods our body expects us to eat and the foods that we actually eat. So top priority here, which is the first directive in the Eating Your Way to Migraine Freedom Guide and the one that achieves the biggest results, is the elimination of processed foods, especially those with gluten grains, which are wheat, rye, and barley, and foods with added sugars. The next uh, priority is to seek stability. So migraines are often uh, provoked by abrupt changes in our diet and lifestyle. And so maintaining stable eating and uh, lifestyle patterns is essential to their prevention. And this is especially true in phase one when we're at our most vulnerable. And maintaining a stable blood sugar is a big key here. So people talk a lot about avoiding low blood sugar, but in my experience, that's typically a scapegoat. And research shows that what's, what folks often attribute to symptoms of low blood sugar are often caused by other things. 
The real villain are typ typically big spikes in blood sugar, which is what's most problematic for the migraineur, or more specifically, the hormonal changes that accompany those big spikes in blood sugar and the, the ensuing drop in blood sugar. And it's the typical modern Western diet that's extremely high in carbohydrate that's causing those frequent and repeated swings in blood sugar throughout the day. And then speaking of hormones, the fourth priority is to minimize stress hormones. So here's a quote that's uh, commonly uh, attributed to Mark Twain. I'm an old man and have known a great many troubles, but most of them never happened. So it's likely that the typical uh, human today has far more stress hormones circulating in their bloodstream day to day than our wild ancestors ever did, despite the fact that our world is overall much less dangerous. And whereas their stresses were mainly triggered by real threats to their survival, ours are almost always triggered by nothing more than our own thoughts. And that roller coaster of stress hormones that's such a common feature of human life is immensely destructive for the migraineur. But the good news is it doesn't have to be that way, as this is something that is under our control. And cutting the connection between our thoughts and our stress response can pay huge dividends in moving you forward along the timeline, not to mention paying off in terms of your long-term health and happiness. And we'll be covering this topic in more depth in future episodes, including the best strategies for minimizing our thought-induced stress response. And for more on this topic and its particular relevance for the migraineur, you can check out the um, Power of Thought article I wrote, which I, I'll link in the show notes as well. So those are the key actions and the key areas of focus for someone who's moving, trying to move from phase one and into phase two. And so now I'll give you an overview of the characteristics of phase two. So someone in phase two is having 10 or fewer headache days per month, but the pattern of headaches is still not predictable and it's still feeling it's still accompanied by a feeling of loss of control so it still feels as like as it, as if the beast uh, controls you rather than you controlling the beast and then the medication that's being taken for migraine relief may work may work some of the time so phase 2 uh we also refer to as the reboot phase so if you're in phase two, it generally means that the very worst of rebound is broken, and now it's time to reboot the brain and give it a fresh start. Now, it's more than likely in, uh, that someone in phase two, uh, their brain is still recovering from the effects of uh, uh, migraine medications, so it's important not to slip back into old habits here. And it's unknown, it's really unknown how long it takes the brain to fully repair the damage from the uh, migraine abortive medications. But what's most important to remember is that every day without them is a day of recovering and healing. And phase two, I think, is really the sweet spot for the migraine miracle plan. With the worst of rebound out of the way, it's the time when our other efforts towards aligning our diet and lifestyle with what's appropriate for a human will really start to pay off. So the high priority behaviors for someone in phase two are the ones that are most likely to move them to the next phase in the uh, recovery timeline. Number one, continuing to reduce and minimize the abortive drugs. 
So as I said, in all likelihood, the brain is still recovering from the abortive medications and we want to continue to allow our brain to repair and recover from them and rebuild its own defenses against migraine. Also uh, important in phase two is to continue eliminating mismatched foods and behaviors. So again, this is one of the three pillars and so highly relevant in every stage. Uh, just like um, in uh, phase one, we also want to seek stability and minimize uh, stress hormones. So continuing to work on minimizing the thought-induced uh, stress response. And then uh, in addition in phase two, which we didn't have in phase one, is to consider deliberately restricting carbohydrates. So as I covered in an earlier episode, establishing metabolic flexibility, also known as fat adaptation, which is the ability to uh, easily shift between carbohydrates and stored body fat for energy, is one of the three pillars. And there's usually a big payoff, both in terms of migraine protection and just in terms of how you feel in general, when uh, fat adaptation begins to kick in. It's the primary physiological correlate to why people report feeling so great after transitioning to a lower carb way of eating. So there's usually improvements in, in, in stable, stabilization of energy levels, better mood, better sleep, and so on. And the sad reality is this is how it's supposed to feel to be a human. Um, a human being in its natural habitat, eating food that's appropriate, uh, is going to be metabolically flexible and fat adapted. And it's just the crappy high-carb standard diet that keeps people feeling lousy all the time, uh, even though we're typically not even aware that it's the way we're eating that's making us feel that way. And the best way to achieve metabolic flexibility or fat adaptation is to reduce carbohydrates in the diet. Now, just getting the processed stuff out of the diet, including foods with uh, wheat flour and added sugars that we discussed in phase one, will naturally lower carbohydrates significantly for most people. But we can accelerate the process, if desired, by deliberately restricting carbohydrates under a certain amount. And remember, too, that the quality of the carbohydrates mattered, matters. So since we've eliminated mismatched foods, we're going to uh, be only eating foods that are appropriate for a human, even when we are eating carbohydrates. And moving from a diet that's high in carbohydrates to one that's low, say under 100 grams per day, or very low, which would be 50 grams a day or less, is going to be a significant transition. And there are some major adapt adaptations that will occur in the body during that transition. I'll be covering more about this transitional phase in future episodes, uh, including strategies for navigating through it smoothly. But for our purposes today, the point is that this period of, period of adaptation, which can last anywhere from a few days to a few weeks, largely dependent on the quality of the diet beforehand, um, and depending on the uh, other uh, you know, traits of a given individual, that transition places stress on the body. And that's why the consideration of deliberately restricting carbohydrates beyond simply what's gained by getting the processed junk uh, out of the diet is taken care of in step one of the Migraine Miracle uh, Guide. That's why it isn't introduced in phase one. Because as mentioned above, most in phase one will be in the throes of rebound and trying to break rebound is in and of itself a major stressor. 
And so adding on the additional stressor of transitioning to a very low-carb diet can be overwhelming. And furthermore, the benefits of making that transition to becoming metabolically flexible won't typically be realized fully until you're out of the worst of rebound and have moved into phase two. You may have heard me say before that until rebound is broken, nothing will work. So that could lead some folks to falsely conclude that carbohydrate restriction hasn't been helpful when the real reason is they haven't reached the point in the timeline where it would be helpful. So going back to our golfing analogy, for many folks, restricting carbohydrates before breaking rebound is like buying that long driving golf ball before you've invested in basic golf lessons. And that's not to say that uh, some people in phase one haven't done all of this at once and all at the same time. I certainly uh, work with folks who've gone all in right from the start, you know, going cold turkey with their medications and going very low, low carb or keto. But it does take a very specific type of person to do that sort of thing successfully as it uh, takes a huge dose of grit and determination. And then lastly, and again along the lines of deliberate carbohydrate restriction, nutritional ketosis is another strategy for consideration in phase two. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with that term, nutritional ketosis means stimulating the liver to produce what's known as ketone bodies. Our brain is capable of using two different substances for energy. Uh, one of those is glucose or sugar, and uh, it can also the other is uh, ketones. So, when the liver is making ketone bodies, those ketones enter into the bloodstream and are then transported to the brain, and the cells of the brain can then burn them for energy. And the primary way in which we can stimulate our liver to make ketones is by restricting carbohydrates. In this case, typically keeping it around 20 grams or less, uh, which is very low. That number varies from one individual to the, next, but to the next, but that's generally the initial target. And what you're doing here with nutritional ketosis is essentially reducing the amount of uh, glucose that the brain is using for energy and increasing the amount of ketones that it's using for energy. And some pretty magical things happen to a brain on ketones and nutritional ketosis is, is emerging as a powerful therapy uh, against a number of neurological disorders, including migraine. And we have many members in our uh, Migraine Miracle community, myself included, who've done really well by adding this strategy. Um, but the process of becoming adapted to nutritional ketosis, both being able to manufacture ketones and then utilize them well, it also doesn't happen overnight, and that transitional phase is also a stressor. So unless you've been, you know, already been low carb for a period of time, uh, at least several weeks, doing it right off the bat can again be overwhelming for someone who's in phase one. And again, someone in phase one is unlikely to be able to reap the full benefits of it either. And also, while it's worked wonders uh, for some folks and can be a very useful tool, um, it's not necessary for every individual to move down the timeline, as it's definitely possible to move all the way to phase four without ever utilizing nutritional ketosis. But it can be a powerful weapon for those who are wanting to accelerate their process, as well as for those who just want to reap the other potential health benefits from it. So for someone who's been on the plan for at least a few weeks and had time to adapt to that change, it's definitely something worth considering.
and I'll be devoting entire episodes to the topic of ketosis in the future, and so we'll be covering it in much more depth because it is such an exciting tool and it's an exciting time because there's a lot of research being done about it and we continue to learn more about all the potential health benefits uh, of it. So that concludes the uh, second, the discussion of the second phase and uh, I'm going to cover uh, phases three and four in next week's uh, episode of The Miracle Moment. So now it's time for our uh, Primal Provisions Pick of the Week. So for those of you who don't know, Primal Provisions is our weekly meal planning service where every Saturday we send out a Migraine Miracle meal plan along with uh, recipes for all the meals, grocery lists, and prep day instructions for people who want to prepare their meals for the week in advance. So it's a really easy way to get started with the Migraine Miracle plan, especially the food part as it takes all of the uh, planning and decision making off the table, saving you time and anxiety and ensures that you have great uh, meals to eat throughout the week. And so this week, our pick of the week is the goat cheese chicken alfredo. So this dish uses zucchini noodles in place of the pasta that would be used in a classic uh, alfredo dish. And as you know, uh, regular pasta is both high in uh, carbohydrates, uh, low in nutrients, and contains substances that have been shown to contribute to inflammation in our gut and an increase in the permeability of the gut wall, what's also known as leaky gut. Things that are both bad for our health and bad for anyone with migraines. And of course, uh, regular pasta was not a part of a human's natural habitat. But if you find yourself craving a pasta dish, using uh, zucchini noodles can make a really good substitute and personally, I actually prefer the uh, zucchini noodles to regular pasta now. I really like the taste, and it has the added bonus of not making me feel sleepy or wrecking my digestion like regular pasta would. So you can go to uh, mymigrainemiracle.com forward slash Alfredo for the full recipe, or click the uh, link in the show notes, and you'll be able to download the full recipe as a PDF there, which you can uh, print out uh, to use while cooking if you'd like. All right, so now it's time to uh, wrap up today's episode of The Miracle Moment, and next week's edition will be uh, we'll finish off by reviewing phases three and four of the timeline of migraine freedom. And I think regardless of uh, what phase you're in, uh, it's a helpful to know kind of uh, what's involved with each of the phases and what sort of actions and behaviors are best for moving you uh, along uh, to kind of know where things are headed. And make sure you've uh, downloaded the Ultimate Guide to Migraine Freedom, which covers the timeline of migraine freedom and explains the phases and uh, gives a number of links to other resources where you can explore um, the topics further. So you can get that by going to mymigrainemiracle.com forward slash migraine hyphen freedom, uh, which is also linked in the show notes. And on that page at the bottom, you'll also find a quiz uh, where you can uh, find out what phase you're in. So I would encourage you to take that if you haven't and uh, share it in the comments section uh, when you do so. Just let us know what phase you're in. I find it helpful to know where, where people are at. And once again, you can uh, watch all of the prior episodes of The Miracle Moment at mymigrainemiracle.com forward slash moment. And that concludes this episode. So enjoy the rest of your day and uh, go slay the beast. Mm-hmm.